We gotta run that one again. Yes. Are y'all ready? Yes. Hold on, I'll let everybody finish socializing. This is the day the Lord has made. That's right. We have a choice every morning how we're going to face that day. How we are going to press forward or let the world press against us. Um, I am continuing a, a series on discovering your dream and why we were formed by God. Why were we formed by God? So I got a question for you. Just raise a hand. How many of y'all have re ever run out of gas in your automobile? How many? Okay. Now the opposite would, how many of you have never run out of gas in your automobile? You've, okay. Now, I have another question and then we'll get started on this, but how many of y'all feel that you see life as the glass is always half full? You're always an optimist. You see a situation and you think of the best. If you feel that you're a glass half full kind of guy or gal, raise your hand. And, and no condemnation, but how many of y'all kind of think you're a glass kind of half empty? <laughs> or somebody drank the rest of your milk in school and you've been that way ever since, okay? Today we're going to be talking about running on empty. And I want to, before I get into the message, I, I want to tell you that uh, running on empty is not a pleasurable thing. Uh, about two years ago, we decided we were going to make a trip, and um, it was in a, a, a road that I'd never traveled on before. In fact, I'll tell you, it is from Fort Smith, Arkansas, up to Rogers, Arkansas. It's called 540. It's a new road. And we didn't get to leave in the morning like we'd scheduled. Because, man, I love, if, if, if it's up to me, we're on the road at 6 a.m. and just let everyone sleep in the car until I even have to hear them. You know, I want to get some miles under the road, okay? I don't know if any of y'all are like me. If it's them, they're like, let's wake up at 10 a.m. We'll get some brunch. You don't do brunch on a road trip. You just get on the road, okay? So... Here that morning, this was at, uh, it was the week bef between Christmas and New Year's. And uh, there was a, a cold front coming through, really bad weather. And they, they said it should pass through the Dallas-Fort Worth area around 11 a.m. So I thought, well, I'll, let's delay. So we're, we're going to start about 1, which actually got us into this unknown part of the road late at night. Well, unbeknownst to me, that is a new road. And there is 60 miles of no exits and no gas stations. So we're driving this new road at night. It was cold. Oh, by the way, my heater worked, but the knob broke. We didn't know that the little plastic knob was broke. If we had reached in, we could have just turned it. So everybody's cold, okay? Everybody's now, it's, it's getting dark, it's cold. It's a beautiful drive if you ever get to drive from Fort Smith, Arkansas up to uh, Rogers, Arkansas. But from there to Fayetteville, Trust me, there's no gas stations. So we're going through these hills, and man, everybody's just happy. They're chilly, but they're really chilling. And everybody's just kind of sitting there, and all of a sudden, that little light, low fuel comes on. And I'm thinking, okay, next exit, I'm gonna pull over and get some gas. And we're driving along, and 15 minutes goes by, 20 minutes go by, and I just said to Chris, I said, um, you might wanna start praying. 
That's all I said. Just, you know, just kind of heads up. But I'm not seeing a lot of exits on this road. And we're now on the E. And I don't know how many of y'all know the, the anatomy of that E. It's like there's the top of the wide of the E. And then there's the, the bottom of the E. And then you know that you can go like so far sucking the fumes under the E. Ten minutes after that, I said to the kids, kids, I think we all need to start praying. <laughs> so now we have this like Holy Ghost moment in the car, all right? Ten minutes after that, I said, we need to start praying in tongues, kids, because there is nothing going on. And I'm thinking, okay, now I got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm thinking, how long will it take for AAA to find us in the middle of nowhere? There is that, literally nowhere. And if you drive that road, it is hilly. So you, and I'm driving at that time the expedition, and I know every time I'm going up one of those hills, I'm going up really slow. I'm the people you're passing and honking because I'm thinking, I'm not going to floor this thing. I'm trying to just coast up the hills and make as much as I can going down the hills. I've got all this plan. We even see this light, and we think, praise God. It's a tunnel, okay? There's no gas stations. Finally, we, we get into Fayetteville, and there was a gas station. And normally, I always try to find the best price gas. I would have paid $8, $10 a gallon at that point. You know, your circumstances will define what you're willing to pay. And we filled up in Fayetteville. And even though we didn't technically run out of gas, that, that trip will always be in my memory because that was not a pleasurable time and, and my walk with the Lord because I'm like, God, we're, we're just trying to get away for a couple days and we got the kids and we're in the middle of nowhere. This is an unknown land to me. I, I didn't, normally I would have filled up at Fort Smith if I'd have known that there was no stations. But it's talking about running on empty. And I think that a lot of people are going through life right now just running on empty. Their circumstances or situations that they're facing there may be a deadline approaching, a financial problem, whatever the case may be, and you're running on empty and you're just saying, okay, I'm, I'm sitting right above E or I'm right on the E or I'm right below. But it's not an enjoyable way to live life when you're running on empty. We've been on this series about discovering your dream, your purpose, your destiny. To review real quickly, we've learned in the first message that we are God's workmanship. That means God created you. And if you look at the beauty of nature, you look at the universe, you look at the, the, the anatomy of a cell, there is such detail. And yet we are a special creation. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. We also looked in the second week that there are things that can hold you back from your destiny. There are things that can uh, take away the dream that God has planted in your heart. One could be fear. Fear sometimes will take away your destiny, your purpose. You hear about people who commit suicide because of depression and fear in their lives. I see that that was a life unfulfilled. Fear is when you look at your situation through your circumstances, but faith is when you look at a situation through God's circumstances. We have to look at God's provision, God's ability. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. We have to bring the Word of God into a situation. And I'm going to tell you that everyone faces situations. There are no super Christians that just get to go on the HOV lane all the time, even if they're the only one in the car. It doesn't happen that way. We all have those traffic moment experiences when we're stuck in traffic or we get lost or our GPS is telling us something that doesn't even make sense. And we have that tenseness in our life. Fear 
can take away God's dream destiny from your life. Failure. We talked about how many great people in, in business had failed many, many, many times. How Macy's, the, the, gym, the person who formed the company Macy's, failed seven times in retail establishments before Macy's became a multi-billion dollar company. How many of us would have quit after that fourth attempt? How many of us even would have went for that fourth attempt, thinking, I have failed, I have failed, I have failed? But you'll see that the greatness inside of you will always strive for your dream. We also learn that oversatisfaction can take away our, our desire to fulfill. We're happy. We're comfortable. Life is good. We know that the world's in trouble, but not on my neighborhood. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians have taken that attitude that... Yes, we know that there's a lot of evil out there. We know that there's a lot of pain and suffering, but it's not happening in my immediate world right now. We need to constantly be interceding. Constantly interceding for the body of Christ, for pastors, for missionaries. Just because you are going through a blessed season when nothing is happening in your life doesn't mean that there aren't hurting people maybe sitting right beside you today in church and if everything is great in your life then would you just start interceding that the people that are sitting beside you that are hurting would be able to grasp what is being taught today in the Word of God we also talked last week about casting our bread upon the water and if you weren't here you think now Mark what did that have to do with discovering our dream but it was how casting bread bread being substance also bread standing for the, the the life of Christ but casting our bread upon the water so that we can be generous in all areas of our life usually you'll hear that message about a, a financial if you will give it will come back to you but there's so much that we need to be casting out on the water we need to be casting out love we need to be casting out forgiveness we need to be constantly sowing mercy and grace to everyone that we come in contact with because to some people in your world you may be the only representation of Christianity that they see and if they hear cursing and bitterness and unforgiveness coming out of your mouth then what differentiates you from anyone else they are looking for peace they're looking for a solution and they're watching us to see if we have that solution so our title for today is Discovering Our Dream. And if you have your Bibles, bless you, we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. A very familiar passage. We're going to look at it a little differently today, though. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And this, this is what the word of, the God, word of God says. One of the wives of a disciple of the prophets called to Elisha. says, Sir, my husband is dead. And you know he feared the Lord. And now a creditor has come to take my two children as slaves. You know, I've got to stop right there. Sometimes when we read passage quickly, we kind of minimize the situation. And I almost think that these verses have to be read and contemplated. So I'm going to back up just for a second. It says, one of the wives of the disciples of a prophet came to Elisha. Sir, my husband is dead. And I imagine that there was just a pause. No one just rattles on after that. Then, in that time when you're just kind of grieving with him, he says, now you know he feared the Lord. 
And now a creditor is coming to take my two children as slaves. You see, when we rush through the passage, we, we, we really minimize what is being said and done. And Elisha said to her, What should I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she answered, I have nothing in the house except for a jar of olive oil. Verse 3, And Elisha, uh, Elisha said, Borrow many empty containers from all of your neighbors, then close the door behind you and your children, and pour oil into all of those containers. And when one is full, set it aside. So she left him and closed the door behind her and her children. The children kept bringing containers to her, and she kept pouring. And when the containers were full, she told her son, Bring me another container. And he told her, There are no more containers. So the olive oil stopped flowing. And she went and told the man of God, and he said, Sell the oil and pay your debt, and the rest is for you and your children. Here's an example of somebody who's running on empty. She's lost her husband. That, that's powerful enough right there. But you have to understand in that day, he was her source of income. There were no jobs available for women. Today in our culture, we have women who are very successful running multi-billion dollar corporations, running them better than some men would have run them. But in that day, let me rephrase this. Even today, there are society where women are still treated as property. And they're still God's creation. But in this day, her source of income just dried up. It was going to be depending upon just the generosity of other people. Not only had she lost that, but she was running out of time because a creditor now was coming to take her two children as property to take them away to pay for the debt. Can you imagine losing your spouse and now losing your children? Because of that, she's running out of options. She's running out of resources. She had debts. Talk about a heaviness. Talk about despair. She literally was at the place where she was about to lose everything. Now, you said, how are we looking at this a little differently? Her husband was a prophet of God. He knew, the, she, they, they as a family knew the ways of God. They knew God's faithfulness. And at any time, her whole attitude could have been, God, why aren't you doing something about this? Because see, a lot of times that's what happens when God doesn't move the way we want him to move. We start turning the tables against God and say, God, why aren't you doing this? I have believed. I have been faithful. I have been diligent. And now I don't deserve this. But we don't see that attitude. We see that she came to God for help. And if you are running on empty, that is the only place you need to be turning to. Because God is your strength and God is your source. Man will fail you, but God will never fail you. All of us have been disappointed by people, by corporations, by companies, by governments. Whatever it is, we've all had disappointments. But God will never disappoint you. Right. 
You'll say, oh, no, no, Mark. There was this time that I prayed that God did this. Just because God did not do what you asked him to do does not mean that he failed you. Amen. There are times that we learn sometimes through our failures that make us more compassionate as Christians. I don't want to be more compassionate. Guess what? You're going to repeat that test again until you stop saying that. Because we are to be compassionate. We are to be love. God is love. God is in us. So we are to be love. But I don't want to be forgiving. I don't want to be merciful. Whew. You got a couple summer schools going on there. Because God is going to allow you to repeat some of those things until your heart is broken like his. That when you see a situation, you don't see it as, what do they want from me? It's, what can I do for them? That's the way we need to be seeing and loving our society, our generation. She came to God for help. And if you're at the end of your rope, if you're at the end of your ability, if you're at the end of your resources, you need to open your heart and you need to expect a miracle. And that miracle is only going to come through God. That miracle is not going to be from some form that you fill out that the government's going to do for you. That miracle is not going to happen because of your works. It's because of whose you are as a child of the Most High God. Amen. You see, when situations start happening in the finance, my scripture that I go to is Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I tell you that story when gas prices start going up and I'm filling up and I'm seeing that thing just rolling by. I'm out there praying that. My God shall supply all of my needs. Lord, you know I have no control over OPEC. You know I have no control over this, but I know that you can bless me abundantly. Amen. When we are asked to give and it's not there, we have to step out on faith, but we know that God is faithful, that He is our supply. Let me tell you, as long as you see as man as your supply, or your parents as your supply, or your employer as your supplier, you do not have the right perspective of God in your life. God is your source. He is the well of water, and your employer is the spigot. The spigot has nothing to do with the source of water, it just delivers it. God is your source. God is your strength. God is your peace. Amen? Amen? Three quick points. Point number one. Tell me what do you have in your house. I put myself in her shoes and I probably would have gotten offended at that question. Because in reality, she's coming to him for help. And instead of saying, well, hey, let me just pull out my checkbook and take care of the situation. Or let me let you talk to a friend of mine that will buy your kids back. He asked kind of an odd question. So what do you have in your house? You know, have you ever thought of somebody that's standing along the side of the road, you know, the sign says, need food, will we'll work, or, well, they don't do say work for food, they just want, they want food or money. Have you ever asked them, so what's in your wallet right now? That, that's not a question that they, they want you to ask. And that's not probably the first thing that would have popped in our minds. But this is what the prophet is saying to her. He says, what, what's in your house? And I think she could have said, look, there's nothing in the house. If there were stuff in the house, I wouldn't be standing here talking to you. Now, come on, let's think about that. Wouldn't be, that be a really easy attitude for us to have? You're not understanding why I'm standing here. There is nothing back there. 
If I had, I would have sold it and I wouldn't need to be coming and begging for a solution from you. But that wasn't her attitude. There was a humbleness and a brokenness in her attitude. In fact, her attitude's the only thing that I have, it's a jar of olive oil. That's it. She's cooperating with the prophet. She's not fighting against him. She's not shaking her finger. or She's not going on through this rampage of how bitter she is at God because her husband faithfully served her. They had debts and now look at this situation, God. That wasn't the, the, the text. So her attitude is anything that I can do. I'm open and willing. I think she probably expected Elisha to buy the oil from her. Wouldn't that have been a natural thing? Hey, I have a jar of olive oil. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll give you this huge sum of money for that. Because that's, in our natural mind, what we're processed, right? Buying and selling. But instead, Elisha's asking for what she has and some instructions. If there's one thing that you can remember from this message, I'm about to tell it to you. If you don't take notes, remember this one thing. You ready? Your dream, your purpose, your destiny will always start with what you currently have. Your dream, your destiny, your purpose is going to start with something that you already have. You see, we wait for other people to be our resource. We wait for other circumstances to change in our lives so that we can fulfill what God's called us to do. What you need is already in you. And you may feel like you have nothing in your house. You may be saying, Pastor, there's nothing in my house. And I'm going to be asking, what do you have? I don't have anything. What do you have? I don't have anything. What do you have? Well, I, I have this, then that's what we start working with. Because that's what God does. He works with, with what He's already given you. Amen. You see, excuses are not a foundation that you build your dream and foundation on. In fact, excuses are only going to keep you right where you are. Excuses will only keep you in your current situation. Well, pastor, I do that, but... They're, they're, I hate buts. I really do. How many times do we but God? I would fulfill that desire in my heart when... Maybe won't use the word but. When my spouse gets a better paying job and I can do that or when the children move out and I have more time or when I feel more energy towards that how many of us have done this to when God's saying I've created you for a purpose you have a plan you are not junk. Every person that is created was created with the knowledge of God. And he said, when, when you're being formed in the womb, I knew you. He knows your gifts and abilities and attributes. Not everyone is an artist. Not everyone is a musician. Not everyone can speak in front of a group. But all of us can do something for the kingdom of God. God is able to use us, even if it's just being an encourager in a world that's very discouraging. We live in a discouraging world. I'm going to tell you, 
If you decide you're going to get your joy and happiness and peace from outside, you're going to need Jack Daniels. You're going to need crack. And we might as well just open up a gift shop. Because you are not going to get peace and joy from the world. Peace and joy only come through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you don't have that, you start looking for substances or people or feelings that will help you get that. And eventually that wears off. So now they say that the new thing to do is to, to take prescription drugs and crush them up and inject them into your with your drugs, your other illegal drugs, so that you get a faster high, a bigger high, but a bigger down. And I'm going to tell you, after so many attempts at that, it's either going to kill you or it's not going to be enough. So then you have to have something else that's got to beat that. Pretty soon we're just going to be drinking antifreeze or something really stupid like that just to get that quick two-minute buzz before we die. Because we get addicted to that. And I'm going to tell you that when you start getting into the presence of God, you will get addicted to something really good and something very beautiful. Amen. But we're too busy. We don't have time. Really to, you know, to spend time in worship. How many if I just said, you know what, take a day off and just spend it with God? How many of y'all are just instantly thinking why you couldn't do that right now? You don't know my schedule. You don't know my heart. You don't know how dry that would be, Pastor Mark. You don't know how bored I'd be doing that, Pastor Mark. Mm -hmm. Taking a day off with God. Go to the zoo, just you and God, and pray. And thank Him for all His creations. In fact, come out with a list of things that He's done for you. Not a lot of good things are happening. Hey, you're breathing. Mm -hmm. That's number one on the list right there. He loves you. You're able to afford to go to the zoo. <laughs> you have eyesight that you can see the animals. I'm talking about you can create a list if you have to. No matter how bad your circumstances are, spend time with God. Spend time in His presence. Take your focus off what you don't have and put your focus on what God can do. Amen. I'm going to repeat that. Take your focus off what you don't have. We tend to focus on what we don't have, and that's why we're not fulfilling God's plan and purpose for our lives. It's not the right time. I don't have enough money. I'm not that gifted to be able to do that. I'm not that talented to be able to do that. Those are all lies of the enemy. And you've bought them, and you're feeding off those lies. And I'm here to tell you that with God, you can do the impossible. I'm telling you with God, nothing is impossible. I'm telling that with God, you can do exceedingly abundantly above anything you could ever ask or think. That is what God can do in your lives. But we have to understand the promises of God. We have to get into the Word of God. We have to eat the Word of God and get it inside of us so that no matter what's happening around us, we don't just throw up our hands and run in circles. It doesn't work. You just get dizzy. Now you're depressed and dizzy. So I would rather just hit my knees and start crying out, Abba, Father, and praying the word of God Amen. and believing for a miracle. Then what can I do about this situation? Or who can I call right now that they can do about this situation? See, the moment we start calling other people to do something for our situation, we've just placed them in between us and God. God should always be the first that we go to. He is our source. He is our strength. Everyone has something that God can work with. Don't believe the lie that you have nothing to offer this world. We have been bombarded by negativity. Yeah. 
and we all have a plan and we all have a purpose. And God created you to do something that no one else can do. Think about that for a moment. God created you to do something that no one else in this world can do. Your whole life may come down to a time where you encourage someone, even though you didn't realize you were encouraging them, that changed their purpose and destiny, and they went out and touched thousands of people. But God needed you at that moment. We are His hands and we are His feet. Everyone has something, even if it's an idea, even if it's a desire, even if it's just a strong body to go out and serve. Even if it's just going out and telling your neighbors, what can I do to help you today? Being Christ to those who don't know Christ. See, we think this grandiose thing that when we talk about discovering our destiny, it means that every one of us has to write a book or this powerful worship song or we have to create this CD that's going to impact the world. A lot of great things started with a lot of simple things all coming together. And we don't see the simple things, we see the grand things that have happened but all the little details and the events that took place. Point number two, small things can do marvelous things. Small things can do marvelous things. Before Jesus fed the great crowds, he told his disciples to go out and collect what? Do you remember? Fish and bread. Now, did they come back with enough to feed the thousands of people? Would you almost have been embarrassed? Let's just put yourself in that situation. You went out and you asked everybody, what do you got? Donnie, what, what do you have? You got to have something. Greg, Randy, Paula, something, Ritz crackers, just something. I got I to go back to Jesus and I'd really like for this basket to be full. And guess what? This basket's looking pretty slim. And there are thousands of people waiting to be fed. And Jesus is saying, go, go collect what you can. When God called Moses and told him what he wanted to do to the Pharaoh, Moses had a really great question that I could see myself asking. If I'm having a conversation with God, I, I think I would ask the same question. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? Doesn't that seem like that would be a really good question? I mean, if God says, Terry, I want you to meet with President Barack Obama and I want you to tell him this. Are you going to have a little concern that who am I to tell the President of the United States that this is about to happen? So God, what power, what, what, what's going to happen in my life to give me that influence where I can meet the President, that I can have this conversation and that he would believe me? And you know what God replied to Moses? What's in your hand? And at the time, he's holding a staff, a stick. A staff's really a fancy word for a stick, okay? But he's holding a stick. Now, Terry wouldn't come to say, Pastor Mark, I'm going to go meet President Obama, and I got a stick. <laughs> I think, you, you're going to have to get through Secret Service first, okay? But no, the, see, the thing of it is, is God's going to ask you, what do you already have in your hand? And as you read about Moses, all the miracles were done with that stick. He would raise up the staff. He did some things with the stick he wasn't supposed to, but all the miracles came forward through that stick. A stick. Now, if God can use a stick, do you think God can use you? Yeah. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. 
I could talk about David, who's running out against a nine-foot giant with an armor bearer, and he's picking up five stones as he's running. He didn't run over to Academy and get specialized stones. <laughs> Dick's Sporting Goods didn't have the Goliath killer stones. Oh, I've, I've ordered those online. They'll be in next week. He picked up five stones from, the, from a stream. And he's thinking, you know what? I've already killed a bear. I've killed a lion. This uncircumcised Philistine is nothing compared to what I had. Right. So what do you have in your hand? I got some stones. Then go kill that giant of fear. Go kill that giant of depression. Go kill that, that generational curse that's been holding you back that you're already seeing working into your children's lives. See what is in your hand and start taking on that giant. I'm preaching better than you guys are responding. I'm telling you. Yes, you are. Good. Gideon. I love Gideon. I love, love, love Gideon. I told you about him many times. He's hiding, thrashing wheat. The angel says, behold, mighty man of valor, man of courage. He's hiding. He's quivering. Okay? That's like when the tornado was hitting our house and we were in the bathroom under the stairs. And the angel says, behold, mighty family of valor. I feel like, our house is shaking. We're scared. We all, don't, don't act like you've never been scared. We all are scared. And all of a sudden, the angel comes when you're scared and says, Behold. Behold. We see you as mighty. There are times in my life when I didn't feel mighty or powerful. But what happens is he leads. He gets a great group of people together. And we're going to go fight. And it says, wait, that's too many. What do you mean that's too many? Now, narrow it down. Okay? Narrow it down. Now I'm ready. Wait, God, you talked me into leading this. No, you still got too many. What do you mean? They got tens of thousands. He gets down to 300 people. Yeah. 300 people to defeat a massive army. God can do significant things with the insignificant. Now the question is, what small insignificant thing in your life are you overlooking that's keeping you from fulfilling the destiny and purpose and dream of your life? What is we've just discarded? Thinking that's nothing. God, God wouldn't use that. When you read what God has used, sticks and stones... Too many people think that they have to rely on outside resources, outside money, outside talent, other manpower to reach their dreams. God has already given you what you need to reach your dreams and ability, and He will fund what He has called. You don't need external people. And that's well, those excuses. Well, hey, if I get this much money, then we'll, we'll, we'll write the book, or we'll step out in faith or we'll become missionaries if this happens. There's many times we have to step out in faith not knowing. 
sit back and take inventory of what are your skills? What are your abilities? What are your experiences? What have you gone through that no one else has gone through? It may not have been pleasant, but it is a resource to you. Because now you look at life differently. There are times when people are telling me their problems. And I feel so limited because I've never encountered that. If you've broken a bone and you're talking to someone who's never broken a bone, they don't understand that pain. They don't understand the itch that comes from that cast. Right? All they can say is, I'm sorry you broke your bone, but I don't know anything about it. If I broke a bone, I'm going to find somebody who's broken more bones than I have and talk to them. So that they can comfort me. Because if God got them through the multiples, they can get me through the single. Take inventory. Point number three. What this woman thought was nothing became everything. Now she was told to go collect jars. And she stepped out in faith and started collecting it. Now as you know, I like to, to stop and say, let's go back to the passage. Could you imagine what her neighbors were asking? You need what? I thought they were kicking you out. Am I going to get my jars back? Hey, I'm just being realistic here, right? I mean, if you have a neighbor that's about to be kicked out and their family's being called and they want to come borrow stuff from you, are we going to be the first to say, here, take my best. This was my mom's favorite jar, okay? Are we going to give them the, the secondary stuff that if it doesn't come back, kind of like the Tupperware of, of that day, right? I know everything was clay, but you know, the, the kind of thing for Tupperware. Clipper, cl clipperware, okay? Just take that. It's disposable. We don't need it anymore, right? That's what we're going to give her. She's stepping out in faith asking for pots. What do you need them for? I really don't know yet. <laughs> but the prophet told me to do this. The fact that she finds out that her miracle was only limited to the amount of jars her faith collected. You see, God's provision didn't run out first. Her jars ran out first. How many of us, when God tells us to go do something, we just go get two or three things because it was convenient? They were on sale at Walmart. It wasn't a big deal. And God was saying, I wanted you to go get swimming pools. And you come back with glassware. But that's what I'll fill. That'll be your blessing. When he had this in plan. Also realize, what was the substance that was being poured? It was oil. Throughout the word of God, what is oil represented? Yes? There's no coincidence in that. Tommy Barnett says that you do not get things from God because you're a good Christian. And you don't get things from God because you love Him so much or because of your sweet disposition. You get from God because of your faith. Prayer alone doesn't get what you need. Faith. Faith moves the mountains. Amen. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith 
is it impossible to please God? For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, that he rewards, rewards, rewards those who seek him. Are we seeking God or are we seeking man? Is man our source or is God our source? Are we stepping out in faith or are we waiting for all the conditions to get right? Tommy Barnett also said that faith means believing God more than we believe our five senses. Come on. And I love that passage right there. I love that, that sentence. When you believe God for more than what you can believe in what you're sensing. I don't see a miracle. I'm not seeing a miracle. I'm not smelling a miracle. I'm not tasting. I don't even feel God's presence. But I'm still going to go collect pots. And I don't know what I'm going to tell my neighbors when they ask what I'm collecting them for. I just need them. And then I'll bring them back. The problem that many Christians make is they want the power first. What do you mean, Mark? Great question. John 6.20 says, The people asked him, what miracle are you going to perform so that we can see it and believe in you? What are you going to do? Do we not do that ourselves? God, you do this, and then I'll do that. I think we've all done that. I think we've all not only limited God in the number of jars, but it's like, God, you do this first. Well, maybe... If you'd give me a bigger jar of olive oil first, then I would be motivated to go get more jars. Because maybe that was a little jar. Have you ever thought about the size of the jar? Now, I mean, there were no Costco's back then, you know. That's why God created me now, so I can enjoy Costco. But back then, that olive oil, man, I could have had a five-gallon jug. And he said, what do you have in your house? I got five gallons of olive oil. That thing will go everywhere. No. It could have been a little jar. And I'm going out collecting big jars because the prophet told me to. God has to do and fulfill his word. He's faithful to his word. God cannot lie. Any person who has reached their dream, who's walking in the calling of their life, who's fulfilling and is happy, is going to tell you they had to step out in faith first for it to happen. Anything that has happened in their life that was God called required faith for them to step out. Remember, without faith, it's impossible to please God. In Hebrews 11, we see men and women of great faith if you're lacking faith, read Hebrews 11. But it talks about Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. Noah spent 120 years building an ark to a society that had never seen rain before. Abraham left the land that he knew to go to a land he didn't know because God promised him something. Moses led a grumbling people through a desert and through the sea. But all of them were action. All of them were action. 
All of them stepped out of their comfort zone. God is calling us to step out of our comfort zone. God is calling us to step out of our comfort zone to do more for Him. Remember, you don't build a house on excuses. It's got to become a tangible reality and it will become tangible through the steps that we make, just like this woman who obeyed the Word of God. This woman began to pour the oil into empty jars. I'm sure big jars came in. After the process is flowing, when that one son would bring in a big jar, she's like, yes, God, that's awesome. We're filling this 32-gallon container. And maybe the next came in and it was a small. He's like, okay, we'll fill this one real quickly. All of it's coming out of this little jar. They're seeing the miracle happen. Every jar was being filled. And basically it came to a point where she couldn't take any more of God's blessing. It's really what it came down to. All the jars were filled. She could not contain any more of God's blessing. How would you like to be at a point in your life where you can't contain any more of God's blessing in your life? Has anyone ever gone to that point? I haven't. I am always hungry for more of God. But to say, God, you, you, you've done so much. I, I, I can't even contain any more of your joy. I can't contain any more peace. I, I feel like a 15-year-old in my body. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of His might. How many of us have gotten to that point where we are so full that we can't contain any more of God? Or how many of us relate more to the empty vessel? Just waiting to be filled. I pray that we all would experience that blessing in our life. But it's going to take action for us to step out. It's going to take action for us to step out. Step out of our comfort zone. Take action. Take inventory of our lives. Next week is my last message on this series. But it doesn't mean that the desire and purpose goes away because we're not talking about it. You were born with a purpose. You were born with a dream in your heart. You will live every day of your life either suppressing it or feeding it. And yes, you can suppress the call of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God so much in your life that it really isn't relevant in your day-to-day. -day. Or you can hunger and thirst after more of God. You can hunger and thirst so much more after the plan and purpose. To start asking every day, God, why did you form me? Why was I born? What is my purpose? What is the gift that Pastor Mark keeps talking about? Start asking those hard questions of God. Why was I born, God? And get into the Word of God. Don't go around to everyone else asking what they, why God formed you. Go to the Word of God. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, you know that I close every service with a very simple prayer I'd like to lead you in. If you are tired of running on empty... You feel like your life is spending more time on that E needle than on the F needle. If you feel that God's presence in your life has been more empty than full. If you're facing situations or limitations on your resources or time or in your body. Are you ready to take action? Are you getting to a point where... You're totally transparent with God. Totally honest with Him.
Quit playing the games with God. Quit being a Sunday-only Christian and saying, God, here I am. But it all begins with making one very important decision. And that's accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You see, your works, your good looks, your money will not get you into heaven. Sin separated us from God. And Jesus Christ came to be the sacrifice. That sacrifice bought our ticket to heaven. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. Amen. If you made that decision, or it's been many years and you felt like you've really separated yourself from God and you just wanted a fresh start, tell someone. If you fall in love, you change your status on Facebook, right? Change your status on Facebook. Tell Facebook, I fell in love with Jesus today. I asked him into my heart. It may be that encouragement that you were created for. Maybe you're to be the social internet encourager that God always wanted you to be, and that's why you were born for this day. I'd like for you all to stand to speak a blessing over you. I want to thank you for coming today. We're honored to have you as a part of our lives. <coughs> to be challenged together in the Word of God, to become more of God. More of God in this world. So may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So we go in his peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. We love you. God bless.